Namaste. My name is Neelima. Welcome to Reflections Along the Way podcast where you will be listening to reflections from experiences and learnings along my life's journey. Hi everyone. So today we are talking to a very dear friend of mine Nikhil Acharya. who have known for about maybe a little more than 15 years and i am so excited to have you on here nikhil because i've always found you very very interesting very creative and a misfit in a good way i mean I'm, very... i'm glad it's a good way nilama yeah <laughs> thanks for having me here you know yeah i'm i'm really not that old but yes we have known each other a long time you're not old at all when i met you you, you were like maybe just a baby teens i don't know maybe you were yeah. like 20? I, I, I'm gonna say twenty, twenty-one. You know, pretty young, pretty brash, pretty didn't know what he was doing. I was yeah. older in age, but probably mentally, I was in your level. I was probably older in my thinking, so exactly. we probably matched because of that. So the first time we met was when uh, we started D Cube. Yeah. and you had come to cover the opening of the store because you were working as a intern in a local magazine if i remember mm-hmm. right right mm-hmm. is that the first yeah. time well i was writing for this magazine well i had a column like we just there's lots of random things around it yeah it was because of that really that we met and i was a bit sort of okay this is a pretty cool store for the city we were in and that was the start of a beautiful friendship yes it was absolutely and it evolved into so much more than that and we worked on different projects but not only work wise it was so enjoyable because um you were always there when i needed you i like i said i didn't know what i was doing also in a way <laughs> <laughs> we were just exploring and like trying to get new ideas into the city and uh, new products and um, sometimes i felt kind of lost and you were one of those people who was always there to just have a conversation to see where uh, we were going to reflect on stuff and i i actually think the best people are lost though you know neither well like i've really come to sort of embrace that lostness because it's when you're lost in that way that you're not kind of repeating someone else's stuff you know like i think creativity and a lot of other stuff and, and i'm sure we'll talk about this later but you know lost is underrated you know i am actually very suspicious of people who aren't lost because how do you know i mean you know how what, who told you where the destination was because if you think you know where your destination is you probably are overestimating the control you have on your journey and or you have been sold a destination you probably don't even know you want to go to so actually i warm sort of greater extent to people who are quote unquote lost it didn't seem that way when i was experiencing that but once i got through that phase i realized that it is a very necessary place to be in if we really want to figure out stuff and you know um just proceed with a more clearer you know some idea of where we want to go next sort of thing i i i guess like for context it, it is important for both of us to sort of acknowledge that we were experimenting with what we wanted to do we both had a creative vision what we with what we wanted to do and and i guess the nature of some of that is having a lot of belief in your voice right because at the end of the day you know every you know creativity 
requires belief in yourself and your your voice. I, I think we definitely had that in common. You know, I felt like we were very much aligned on that. It's a form of self-expression, I think, also. like Absolutely. Yeah, it's everything from therapy to expression to processing, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. around you. Yeah, it, yeah, it's one of those things that I think, I think we all sort of were, you know, predisposed to do it anyway. You know, if you kind mm-hmm. of look at just in general, sort of human beings, like we've always created our way out of everything. To me, that tells me that's really fundamental to who we are. And, and you kind of think about stories and you think about finding something to create or think your way out of something. Mm-hmm. It just has always been the case. It, it, it's one of those things that I, I, I think is, it almost defines us as a sort of species and uh, as, as sort of guardians of this planet. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. That's a nice way of putting it. And uh, it makes perfect sense also. I know a little bit about what you studied and your journey as such, but tell us a little bit about where you grew up, how you evolved into this amazing creative person doing so many different stuff. This mess of a human being is what you mean. (laughs) Okay, I get you. Just just being too polite to call me that. Uh, I grew up in a couple of places. So I grew up, you know, in India. I I, I spent some time in the UK, I spent some time in the US, I spent some time in Scotland. So there was sort of a lot of moving around. But I guess in the context of what we're talking about, I think it's important for me to say that my parents are very creative people. I grew up in a really creative household, even though both my parents had had a very buttoned up job. They were very creative people in that they both loved the arts. Yeah, I, I grew up with a lot of appreciation for the arts, first and foremost, actually. Mm-hmm. My father still does caricature and cartoons my mother does oil painting so it's sort of there was always this idea of the arts is something that is quite amazing and it it was never sort of said but it was definitely appreciated so it wasn't like I had to really go far to find that sort of inspiration I suppose so I was very very lucky and actually it's only something you kind of think about when you are older and you kind of meet other people who didn't have that experience and you're thinking oh right well I have that experience and I was very very lucky and privileged to have that experience so I think it began there really and then and uh, my journey into story really began when I was quite young and I wrote something that ended up winning something nationally. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that something I just sort of on, on a slight whim had done that actually did. I know this sounds like a humble brag, but it's not humble brag because it was genuinely like, oh, I guess I'm not terrible at that. And um, I think that sort of fueled it a little bit more. I know I'm being very obtuse in terms of telling people what I've actually done, but but basically studied economics and business. But I always had this Jekyll and Hyde-ness about me where I was, you know, I always loved that other side as well. You know, I'm very analytical and I actually even now would say I approach creativity with a fairly analytical kind of brain, as, as we both know from, you know. I noticed that with you clearly, like you are very creative, but you also do it with a very analytical, logical, with a purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing this for? That idea is very clear in you. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that's a really interesting sort of thing to dwell on, because for me, what I'm doing now actually is really the kind of the combination of all of that stuff. Because I had this sort of background, you know, for lack of a better word, very logical kind of rational, quote unquote, sort of thinking. Mm -hmm. But then there was this other sort of stream to my expression, which was much more kind of unbridled creativity, dabbled in film and, 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 you know, all of this kind of stuff. So I really sort of enjoyed that. And And I think 
at the end of the day, I've realized through a lot of doing each side that I really want the yin and yang of both of those things and what I do, which is what I do now, which is, this is a long-winded way of saying that what I do now is I work for a small creative studio in London. We do film and we do a bunch of other things. And I do strategy, which is, again, on paper, very sort of analytical and logical, but equally is very creative stuff. And, and you know, it's all about shaping that creativity and also um, getting involved in that creative process. So I think I'm definitely one of those people who enjoys both sides of that equation. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of don't like sort of separating those two things because I think that analytical side is really important as well for creativity actually mm-hmm. to, to do it well and there's obviously this other side where you need to kind of ignore some of that and you, as you say sort of self-expression and your voice and all of that stuff is also really really important mm-hmm. but um, if you're going to share anything with the world then that needs mm-hmm. to be on some level you need to you need to want to know who you're kind of sharing it with you know and, and mm-hmm. actually almost check the arrogance that some people have of well this is me you know and this is what yeah. I'm creating well that's fine but equally you know this is for somebody else also mm-hmm. you know you are mm-hmm. exposing yourself to somebody else so you have to think about the other person if you're yeah. going to like how do we connect and convey what we are trying to convey to the other person if you are sharing it publicly then that is the purpose right at the end of the day the, the, the greatest gift someone can give you is their time. And if someone can stop and look at something you've made or spend time with something you've created for a for more than a fleeting second, that's a gift. And you never want to sort of take that for granted. And you always want to sort of, in some way, understand what makes people do that, or at least on the very basic level, appreciate that. You know, there's lots of misconceptions around creativity, but I think one of them is um, that just because I want to say something that there's an audience for it, which is not true, actually, like just because you have something to create doesn't necessarily mean that someone's out there waiting for you to create. If, yeah. if... Well, I've seen glimpses of all that you've mentioned 15 years ago, like I've seen you as an awesome writer. Because that's how we started, I think, after that first meeting, yeah. started working on the website and you were in charge of copywriting. Also, I saw your creativity in the t-shirts. That was awesome. Also, I have this uh, in me where I don't focus too much on the audience. And you were that voice who would kind of bring that into the conversation. And uh, so all this, I think I've noticed in you and they all came together and you found the right career for it, which is awesome. Yeah, and, and and that's really interesting to hear that you saw glimpses of it because obviously it takes someone on the outside to sort of say that, you know, mm-hmm. like I was very blissfully unaware that that was me. You're absolutely right. Like I'm very lucky to have found mm-hmm. that right balance. And I think it's also come from a lot of chop and change, you know, I'd say it's almost worth sort of exploring each side and, and finding your right sort of equilibrium because I, I, I realize that this is the equilibrium I want, you know, and when it's upset, I know that it's upset, you know, like when it's too much on the other way and, and, and I'm a massive centrist as a person and I definitely think the truth is somewhere in the middle and, and that's genuinely true. Like I think that there needs to be a balance and when that balance is not balanced, it, it, it makes me, you know, I feel it. I, I feel that kind of lack of balance. So I'm very uh, lucky that I found something that lets me balance both the creative side with this analytical slash sort of thinking of sort of what people want. You're right, though. For an outside person, they view it 
with a different perspective and different angle. So it seems simpler to kind of see. But for us as an individual going through that journey, it doesn't seem so clear. It, it takes a lot of effort, a lot of reflection to come to that point of clarity to figure out, hey, this is what I want to do, right? I mean, it is a journey that each person probably has to make to get to that point of clarity. What's also interesting, as you were saying that, is the role of people, you know, because we're not islands. And, you know, every creative sort of uh, endeavor, like as we did with the t-shirts, you know, all of this stuff, it requires other people. Like I'm, I've become more and more, again, suspicious of these sort of geniuses. Like there's this sort of one person who is the font of all creativity. Like I don't think that actually potentially exists. Like I found that actually it's a, it's a lot more powerful when you have a bunch of people that you can iterate with. And, and I think the creative process is actually very iterative. You can have a really good idea and you bounce it off of some other people who you trust. You know, I'm not saying go and ask every single person on the street but i am saying that this idea this notion of there's this one person who has all the answers and mm -hmm. is this sort of incredibly you know like and, and that's creativity from the very broad sense right like this idea of that genius is i think more and more being put to the test because mm -hmm. actually it's collaborative sort of endeavors that bring that thing to life and and even if you do have this genius that genius can't produce stuff on their own, yeah. you know, and whatever that is, like from, from the creative arts to things that are creative and not like whatever you want to call it from vaccines to the most sort of unbelievable art form, um, mm -hmm. you need other people. And it's almost arrogant to think that my lens is the right lens. Mm -hmm. A lot of people kind of forget that there's other people involved in any creative process. And you think of anything we like creatively, mm -hmm. There wasn't just one person normally, you know, you can't, you, you might remember just one person. Yeah. But the reality was there was a lot more other people who were involved in making mm -hmm. that thing come to life. My, my feeling is that the, the route to really good creativity, actually, or to anything that's really nice, is making sure that the people you are involving in those inputs are actually really good people mm -hmm. and, and letting them kind of do their thing as well just as you did your thing let them kind of do that thing as well because it has to be collaborative and it needs to be mm -hmm. open and mm -hmm. i think when you uh, and, and i've seen this where people are very territorial or precious about that stuff that actually ends up not being very good because there's a lack of trust in other people there's a lack of even acknowledgement that actually it requires more than just me to mm. make this amazing thing yeah. And actually, I'm very happy to be very, very, in a way, vulnerable and open to say, mm -hmm. yeah, I can't do this. I'm not the I don't have all the answers. To me, that's actually coming from a place of strength, mm -hmm. not weakness, you yeah. know, to say that. It's I think this this is more generic and not limited to the creative field. Yeah, I think you're totally right. I think it's more than just a pro like, you know, it's anything really, as you say, you know, even even in every sphere of life, I mm -hmm. think. The reality is that you are dependent on um, other people to yeah. to sort of make your life that it's much It's funny better. that you brought this up because this is something that I have thought about a lot over the past uh, year. It's always right in front of us, but then sometimes we are so into ourselves thinking that, oh, okay, I'm doing this. I'm like, it's like we have, we're possessive. Mm. We think that we are the only one doing it, but it's actually not. I mean, only when there is cooperation in our ecosystem, in whatever way it is, are we able to produce that in one way or the other, right? 
And uh, that brings us to the realization how connected we are. And COVID actually is a very good example to show us like how really connected we are with each other. Yeah, or connected we need to be. But um, I'm curious to hear, was there a phase where you felt like that wasn't the case and then you had this sort of realization? Because I definitely felt like went through that that kind of transition from like, and I've tried to reflect on where this comes from. At least for me, I feel like there's a lot of sort of uh, idolizing of certain kind of people or or, or anyone who's to say like, well, this is the individual who has the answers. And it's when you kind of strip that back, then you realize like, actually, that's not true. So did you have, I'm curious to hear like, where did that? me like I've never really had this idolizing of one person Mm -hmm. I used to appreciate certain qualities or virtues in different people but I never also felt like uh, part of an ecosystem I I didn't make that connection until very recently that realization that is really odd I'm like after I had that thought I'm like why did I not feel this way all the while you know it is so clear to me now <laughs> like it, only if everybody else around us is doing well and happy can we be happy in a general in a more generic way also it took some time because I was so I think not self-absorbed but I was like more I wouldn't spend too much time on thinking about other people I'm thinking about myself, my thoughts, my ideas. Why am I feeling this? I'm always trying to find solutions in my mind as to what can I do or change to not feel this way that I'm feeling or to feel the joy or happiness. So I'm less focused on other people, actually. That's really interesting. I I can only think of um, also, you know, very sort of individualistic sort of cultures that, you know, I think there's a kind of East-West divide here where there's a whole kind of narrative that you emancipate yourself. I think specifically about creativity, if we're going to make that a little bit of a theme, is uh, insecurity. because, Because the thing is that there's a kind of fine balance and a, and, a, and a fine line between being the voice that's original and I'm really required for this to come to life versus, mm. oh, I'm actually quite dispensable, mm. you know? And mm. that's quite scary because one of the most scary things about creativity and ideas, I suppose, from anything is when am I going to stop having some? Like, is mm. there a pipeline? Am I, mm. am I going to sort of just run out? Yeah. And I think it takes a while before you kind of learn to trust that actually your lens and the way you look at stuff will sort of be the, for lack of a better word, like the, the eternal source of ideas and, mm. and viewpoints. So don't mm. worry too much about, are you going to sort of come up against writer's block or are you going to kind of come up against something that will just stop happening. I can totally relate to what you're saying in my journey also. You know, so when I started exploring, I felt very insecure also. I didn't have this background and uh, there's probably that lack of confidence which made me feel insecure at times. Like, you know, how do I find my niche? Like, what am I doing? There's so many people doing this. Like, what am I trying to achieve here? Sort of questions, right? And Mm -hmm. then after many, many years... It has come to a point like it's it's really if we go in that path of trying to see what others are doing and try to compete with that, then we are stuck in that cycle of trying to imitate or trying to see what works. And, you know, it's just not liberating. It, there's no purpose of creativity for me at that point. For me, it's more about 
bringing out the thoughts or ideas that I am having to share with the world again, so that we we have this collective ideas that everyone is experiencing in a genuine, honest way and not by imitating others. Yeah. So that all of us can benefit from it. And I completely agree with you. I don't think any idea is original. I think that ideas are always there. We are not exposed to so much in the world. We're just yeah. not exposed to it. And when we think of something that we, we weren't exposed, we think it's original. Mm-hmm. But it's always been there in one form or the other. It has. And I think what's also interesting about this is I, I read something a couple of years ago, I think. It was really interesting about the death of the hobby. Basically, what this was saying is there used to be a time when people would just do something that they found joy from mm-hmm. and they didn't really care if they were great at it or not very good at it. You mm-hmm. know, so any, any, like take, take crafts, take sort of sports, whatever it was, mm-hmm. you kind of just do it and you, you kind of intrinsically get fulfillment and joy and, 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 you know, things from it without pegging yourself as to, oh, actually what I wrote isn't going to get me a Pulitzer Prize and oh gosh I'm not gonna win the I'm not gonna get shortlisted for an award you know there was none of that you just kind of did what you did for the sake of just doing it mm-hmm. but actually in the last few years or or you know last maybe sort of five six years or so it's sort of um, you know evolved into no but I need to kind of really be good at it you know I can't just do something and be very amateur it, it, it needs to, even though it's a hobby, there is no such thing as a hobby. Like, you know, you need to kind of almost show that you are thriving in it, that you're actually doing quite a good job of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, you know, it's not, I'm not saying that's true for everyone, but I am saying that there's things that have, I, I agree with it, basically. You know, I, I, I read that and I thought there was definite resonance with how, this you know, you can't cook a meal anymore and just not like take a picture and say, oh, how does this compare with a, with a food influencer? And just like, oh yeah, I guess it looks quite good, you know. This pressure, this pressure that's built around it. And that comes, I think, again, based on each individual. Yeah, people are massive input. The stuff you, you consume from a media point of view, your media diet is another input. These are all sort of stimulus slash inputs into mm-hmm. your brain. And at the end of the day, it's going to, firstly impact you and also it's going to impact what you put out there's absolutely an input output aspect of it Mm -hmm. and and i guess it comes back to um how choosy are you about what you're putting in you know how conscious Uh, are we doing that yes and 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 you know because mood is so related to what you consume Mm -hmm. a lot of it is autopilot a lot of it is i just need to escape you know i don't want to make another decision in my day because my day has been full of lots of decisions so actually when i put the tv on or if i'm scrolling through something that's one more decision actually i'm not willing to take anymore you know, just show me something. Um, let an algorithm choose that. I don't really care. Whilst that works, you know, for your mood, and that's really sort of fulfilling that aspect of escapism or whatever you want to call it, a thing that's sort of slightly overlooked is that actually at the end of the day, that is your diet. That is actually going to influence you in some way. That's fine. You know, I'm not here to sort of say that everyone should be watching really, really esoteric French new wave films all the time that talk about death all the time. Like I'm not, I'm not talking about that. You know, it goes back to what we're, we're surrounding ourselves with and it's people, it's things, it's ideas. And, and it's um, being a bit more conscious about that, you know? And, and again, 
if you can choose the people you are getting inputs from and you're choosing the type of media diet that is giving inputs to you, then reality is you probably will end up sort of creating something that is going to churn some bits of that out, Mm -hmm. you know. Of course, that's also an alchemy of all of that and your own voice and your own experiences and your lived experiences. Mm -hmm. But going back to your point around no creator is in an island, right? Like you are creating as a reflection of of you, but also the people around you and the things around you. Like, you know, there's context to creation. It's never just in in and of itself. It's always within a more macro context. Yeah. And and again, that's something that I think gets overlooked in yeah. creativity or, or again, like it's something that isn't as obvious anyway. Very interesting. Like it's very interesting to think about, like we probably have done this unconsciously, some of these mm-hmm. things. And uh, to think about the process is very interesting. Like how does this happen? Like, it's- Yeah, I mean, this is, this is the, I think that this is the biggest fallacy in all of this is that there's this idea that there's a eureka moment or there's mm-hmm. a sort of people just kind of, you know, are, are walking down the street one day and there's a bolt of lightning and they get this aha idea about something Hmm. but actually that's that's been proven time and time again that that's actually very much the minority and it's and and yes of course that can happen and really normally that happens from a the subconscious level kind of processing other things and I'm kind of going back to the same central notion of you know a lot of people normally sort of make something really really great you know Mm. it's not just that one person walking on the street that gets hit by this sort of spark of absolute genius you know what like that spark could be the spark that starts it Mm. you're always going to have to stand on the shoulder of giants to be able to sort of make something that Mm. is actually pretty incredible and i think to some of my favorite writers some of my favorite filmmakers you know or and, and just even not just creatively like you know, not in the creative arts, but just genuinely really interesting things that have come out in the last sort of decade or or also like across the sort of spectrum. And again, it it always boils down to the fact that there were collaborative things and and actually that there was a process to it, you know? And and actually, I think that's a very unsexy way of looking at it for people. You know, it, it kind of takes away the magic for some people, which is kind of disappointing because actually I think it, it doesn't. Like for me, it actually makes it really accessible. And it actually says, oh, um, turns out that that genius doesn't have to reside in just one person. Mm-hmm. Turns out that actually there's a process and turns out that you can actually, that anyone can give it a go. Yes. Which is really actually liberating and empowering in a very different yes. way because there's that kind of tension between I don't think I'm creative. Like you, you, you I've, I've come across this so mm-hmm. often mm-hmm. where I've tried to get people to sort of write alongside me or something. And the thing that keeps getting thrown back is I'm not creative, you know, yes. and, and I find that interesting on two levels. The first level is that people have self-diagnosed themselves as this thing, which is kind of crazy. Like, I don't know where that came from. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is almost there's a sort of uh, it's it's sort of you're either born with it or you're not. It's like a stupid Maybelline ad, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not Maybelline. Like creativity is not Maybelline. Like you, mm-hmm. you don't have to be everyone's born with it you know everyone's born with 
I think they're their own lens and their own way of looking at things. Mm -hmm. And it's actually craft and resilience that is very different from what makes something a good creative thing or not, you know? And it's it's not sort of this 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 inborn natural kind of thing that, that you know, of course there's natural talent. I get all of that. But mm -hmm. actually at the end of the day, a lot of it comes down to process, a lot of it comes down to craft like i said sort of iteration it's very unlikely that you know on your first go you will get it right you have to fail people can't see this but i've been drinking off a mug that talks about the embracing the idea of failure often because that is what actually gets into a really good place you know you fail and fail and you do it quite often mm -hmm. and then that normally gets you to a better place you know mm -hmm. so th there's a lot of i think this idea that i'm not this or i wasn't born with that or all of this stuff which which actually is completely uh actually rubbish you know if you kind of look at it that is very very true and this is something i completely agree with you also like even when i didn't feel i was as creative i always thought that you know everybody is capable of it you just have to put the right effort and right focus and you will get there at one point or the other for some person it may be days for some weeks for some years but it, it you can make it happen this reminds me of a, one of the interviews that I did when I was in DQ where with a local paper and they would ask me how did you get here and like you know you're so creative and I'm like I didn't feel that way also I, I was like no anyone can do it <laughs> why do I mean, you I'm, feel I'm, it's so special like you know <laughs> yeah yeah like you know where wearing a beret or you don't have a tattoo on your wrist so how can you be creative you know yeah yeah i've experienced this also right people will kind of look at somebody and they judge whether they're creative or not but you can't say that inside what is going on in the mind creativity is about finding solutions also at the end of the day so creativity starts with thinking to start with right Absolutely. And, and actually, you, and you're totally right that we, we shouldn't conflate that with self-expression because you can be very creative in your self-expression and you can be incredibly non-creative in your self-expression. And that's not the same thing. And as you say, uh, you know, just that, like you're creating, you're thinking your way out of a problem or you're thinking of an obstacle and you're like, well, how can we be creative and find the, the, the bridge that crosses this gulf? It's so loaded, you know, like that word yeah. is just so loaded. There's so many sort of uh, connotations to it. There's so many sort of judgments around the people who are supposed to be that and not really that. I definitely read somewhere that there was some sort of weird article that talked about how the thing for the next generation to be the most employable is to be able to show they're creative. And I thought what an absolute bunch of bollocks because every, every generation has had to be creative and has to demonstrate their creativity. So this idea that actually only finally now that employers are looking for creative skills is just absolute nonsense. Like just because what is the barometer for that? Are you saying that because you can, you can demonstrate that you can do a good IG story or a TikTok, that that's going to be creative. I mean, yes, that's a completely sort of very narrow self-expression sort of definition of it. But really we're only, I mean, we're doing this with my sitting here in London and you're sitting where you are with technology that's been created by some really creative people who decided that they can do this right and, yeah. and not just one person again to note it took a whole lot of people 
to mm. make this experience happen right now. Mm. And I think that's what gives me the most hope about everything. Like I've been very, very, you know, in the face of a, a lot of worry and where you're headed. I actually am very bullish about the fact that we've always done this. Like, and yes, maybe some problems will be incredibly un unsurmountable. But at the end of the day, I always, always believe in our ability to, yeah, exactly what you said, like think our way out of a problem or look at different routes, look at different bridges, create completely br different bridges that we never even imagined would be a bridge, you know? Um, and, and we're surprised, like, if you kind of, again, look at where we came as a race, like, as, as human beings, like, we've, we've constantly done that. At some point, someone said, actually, I think it will be possible for someone in the US and someone in the UK to be talking to themselves over a computer screen. Yeah. Or some people said that would be a, a thing. Imagine that this could yeah, happen. They imagine they that created. that would yeah. totally, and they imagine that that would be a thing. But but what is interesting is like it required a stretch from reality, right? Mm -hmm. Like someone imagined a future and they said, "What if?" And I think that's really powerful, and we should never lose that. We should never mm -hmm. ever. We should hold on to that kind of. It's a very very important point that you brought up. Like any anything we see as manifested as a physical reality has come from someone imagining that can happen or that can exist and they created it and we see it now that to me is a creativity like it's what if like you know those two words are so powerful to me because it, it's uh and, and i know i'm veering towards innovation here but creativity involves that right like it involves conjuring up worlds characters stories realities that don't exist today but if the one for people kind of pushing that question of what if we wouldn't be able to do this and the world would be a really really dull place and it's always there like you said it's not something unique to our like you know generation or our period of time it's always there it's always been there otherwise like how how do we even see all these things coming up and no exactly exactly so that's what gives me a lot of um, you know, I think confidence and hope that mm -hmm. actually, you know, and it's not up for me or you or anyone to have these answers yet. I, I have absolutely nothing but confidence and optimism that there will be answers overall. And look, we already have answers for something that has taken over the world in the last kind of year and a half, you know, and that's been such a testimony to, you know, a lot of brains together, a lot of creative thinking. Okay, let, let's delve into another aspect of creativity now. So we've sure. seen like how like, you know, we can probably create something that's not already there as a solution to ourselves or to other people or to the ecosystem in general. How do you relate creativity to happiness? Ooh, um, I can only obviously speak for myself, but I look at it from a standpoint of either escapism or processing sort of what's happening to you, you know? And, and I find a lot of happiness from that. I know that's not a very straightforward answer, but like for me, I find a lot of joy and happiness from doing those two things. Um, and, and, and sometimes it's just immersing yourself in a lot of really good art as well, like a really good kind of creativity. I don't know, I think I'm really, really interested in the human condition. And when other art and other things do that, it makes me really happy. And I guess where that comes from is you feel like you're part of something bigger. You know, you, you, you're all kind of connected by this human condition. And I think what's really powerful about creativity, actually, and I'm talking specifically about creative arts here in terms of when you say that, like, you know, I'm thinking of um, creativity from a standpoint of a, a story I really like or a film I really like. 
or a song actually that I, you know, let's say I, I listen to, I'm like, God, this really moves me. It, it really comes from, you know, I think what's really interesting about that kind of creativity is that it, it sort of delves into a layer that a lot of society normally doesn't operate on. You know, it kind of digs slightly deeper because it, it just has to. It needs to almost bring to the fore, I guess, pushes and pulls that exist below the surface level of society. And that's why we connect with it. You know, when you kind of read something and you, or you listen to something that really speaks to you, mm. I think what it's really doing is it's speaking to you in a way that you can't really sort of, you, you know, you very often won't find a way to do that mm. in society because there's a kind of undercurrent to everything. And creativity, a lot of good creativity kind of taps into this much more, I guess, base, for lack of a better word, um, undercurrent. And I think a lot of good creativity can tap into what's really being thought or really being said behind the sort of mask of, well, there's a kind of mask of everydayness, right? And there's a kind of mask of, at least, at least here, you know, I'm talking about the stiff upper lip in, 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 in England, where you know, you're having an absolutely terrible time and, and, and you absolutely can't say that. You're putting on a brave face and you're doing this. I'm being facetious, but, you know, creativity can do that. You know, it can really sort of do that. So I guess it's a long-winded way of saying happiness comes from being authentic. It comes from connecting with something that's really authentic. It connects with something that makes you really, I guess, dwell in, uh, you know, the human condition. And the last thing I'd say about this, and this is going to sound terribly unsexy, is that I actually really enjoy melancholy as well. Mm. There's a kind of weird obsession around, I think, like comedy and joyfulness. And I actually like writing a lot of sort of dark comedy when I can. Mm -hmm. But there's a kind of weird sort of, uh, it's almost like the social contract where, oh, melancholy sounds like a bit of a not cool person to hang out with. Like, you know, I, I don't really want that in my life. Mm -hmm. But actually, I find that really weird because um, I actually consider myself a really happy person. Mm -hmm. And there's lots been written about this already, but there's a sort of a thermostat. Like, you know, a lot of behavioral science will say, everyone's born with a thermostat for happiness mm -hmm. and you have a range. And, you know, the external circumstances can, can either take you to the highest point of that range or the lowest point of the range, but you'll never go lower than your range. You'll never go higher than your range. I, I'd like to believe that I am actually quite blessed with like a fairly all right range and, and, and good thermostat for happiness. Like as in, like I'm generally ha uh, happy. Mm -hmm. But what I find really interesting is like with creative stuff that's very melancholic, I actually really relish that because it almost makes me connect with a side to me that isn't like my kind of normal happy level. And mm -hmm. it's not coming from a denial point of view or like, a, oh, look at me, like not in touch with my melancholic mm -hmm. side. Actually, like I really uh, see that side as well, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. especially last year where a lot of stuff was quite dark and quite kind of crazy for a lot mm -hmm. of people. I found huge amounts of, um, you know, happiness in in immersing myself in excellent film excellent writing excellent just overall creativity you know and and, mm. and yeah i think it can be a real sort of refuge for people as well yeah absolutely for me creativity like being involved in doing whatever i am doing actually kind of showed me the path to experiencing this higher level of happiness what i have observed is when i'm involved in something that uh, i I'm doing creatively, it kind of calms our mind. Mm. So basically it takes us to 
a more clear mind where solutions come with much more clarity instead of confusion filling our minds, right? So, and then we have this capacity of thinking more logically, more clearly in terms of what we are trying to solve. Mm. So I think that helps in that way too, especially the doodling and the Zentangling that I do and all what I've observed is when we are immersed in that art. Yes. It just clears our mind so much. Basically, when we talk about geniuses or whoever, other people who has these ideas, it, they, I think they have the ability to do that because their mind is so clear and they're able to focus yeah. on something so intensely that they are able to convey and portray and communicate that idea so clearly. So that clarity is a a really, really good benefit of immersing ourselves in something when you, you can call it hobby, you can call it arts, whatever, you know. That's really interesting where you've like what you brought up also for me that sort of there's a there's a state of flow, you know, where there's a there's a really interesting behavioral economist. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is how you pronounce his name and it's me high cheek sent me high which sounds really funny, mm-hmm. but, but he kind of was the first person to really talk about the state of flow. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, um, you know, it's that, it's that feeling you get when you're doing a lot of repetitive or you're, you're right in the zone, you know, like people kind of describe being in the zone mm-hmm. and you're kind of in this process. And it's not always creative, by the way. Like I get a lot of this from running, for example, yes. or Absolutely. I row here in London and I get this very much this kind of repetitive feeling mm-hmm. of being on the water, doing the same thing over and over over again mm-hmm. and it's kind of interesting because actually you could argue like doing the same thing over and over again like running or rowing or whatever is not really creative because you're kind of just repetitively yeah like you're doing the same thing but I think what's important about that for me is as you're saying like it's kind of putting you in a phase where you're almost bringing that kind of monkey mind into like the moment mm-hmm. and your subconscious is processing mm-hmm. stuff Mm-hmm. You know, I've had some of the best ideas I've had whilst I'm running yeah. or in the shower. You know, they talk about how like a lot of people have their best ideas in the shower because mm-hmm. actually you're not actually thinking about the thing you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just kind of processing. You're letting you're letting the subconscious just do its thing. And if you don't give it that chance to do its thing, then you're not probably going to get to that really good idea. The second thing I was going to say is that, you know, solution problems is definitely one aspect of creativity. But I almost want to sort of, um, you know, for me, I, I just find that slightly narrow just because I think the role for creativity is far greater than, you know, that, right? As we've touched on, there's self-expression, there's a way of thinking out of something. It gives you happiness. Like what's interesting is like even in this chat, we've like identified everything from happiness to how do you think yourself away from problem to how do you express yourself, which is important for your identity and all of those. Sorts of mm-hmm. So actually to me, that's kind of indicating that, you know, creativity is quite multifaceted and it's not just a case of, Oh yeah. You know, like it's ultimate purpose is to kind of find a solution if that makes sense, you know, mm-hmm. because I almost feel like that's a very myopic way of looking at it. And actually mm-hmm. you're only looking at part of the picture and actually to it's, it's a bigger picture than that, that we, you know, you're missing out on when you kind of look at it. Yeah, absolutely. It's fascinating. Um, are there any instances in your life that kind of changed or shifted your perspective so much that, you know, you started thinking of something really differently. You mean like beyond creativity or just in general? 
in ge- anything in general um, the context of creativity anything yeah i mean you know like i think is i've always embraced my mortality not in a kind of uh, weird modern sense but i think there's a sort of uh uh i i read a really interesting book by this writer called Ernest Becker and it is called denial of death and i know we're sort of veering into something else but like basically there were moments like that where you know the the idea of like being existential which i am actually like a very existential kind of person um for me there has always been that kind of question of like well what's the point <laughs> you know fundamentally why and 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 i know you said you saw <laughs> i'm with you on that because i've had those questions also midway like yeah what a, what yeah. is the purpose of all this kind of well you yeah, you probably saw echoes of that when we were working together when i was just probably yeah. like why but why yes, though you know, i the, did <laughs> the whole meme of like why though yeah. and, and actually it's sort of uh, you know there's no straightforward answer right and i'd say pivot to a moment was sort of there was a really interesting kind of line around you know we've we're very i'm going to butcher this but like it's something along the lines of we are masters of weaving significance mm. and webs of significance into ultimately things that are insignificant hmm. you know you know there's two ways of looking at it you can either be very bogged down by that hmm. and you can say oh well nothing matters so why cry why care why do anything but there's this is other way of looking at it where it's actually incredibly liberating and it's sort of like actually because none of this in a way really quote unquote matters in that way hmm. just go for it it kind of makes you feel like yeah whatever like let's go for it let's try it so i think for me that was quite pivotal when i was growing mm-hmm. up and i think it was wrapped up somewhere in my teenage angst and i found multiple copies of uh, camus and like other existential writers in my parents library and i was trying to sort of uh, mm-hmm. process this but i was you know way too young to understand what the hell sartre and camus were talking about so i just all i remember from that is god like none of this actually has to matter mm. uh jeez and, and you know when you're kind of growing up you think the stakes are really high you mm-hmm. know and i just remember that being really liberating where it's like no actually the stakes aren't that high and no one's really looking at you not saying like i felt like everyone's looking at me all the time but mm. but, but but i think as a teenager you can actually feel that way because i i kind of understand that you know because you're mm-hmm. trying to find your own identity and like all of this stuff so you know you're very conscious of every move you make mm. that happens to a lot of people it doesn't have to do with age at all absolutely absolutely you're right like it it, it transcends age but i think it's particularly mm-hmm. i mean my hope is that by the time you get a bit older hopefully mm-hmm. you have really kind of come to know yourself and are very secure in yourself and you're actually not as liable to being sort of made to feel that way doesn't mean that it doesn't happen of course mm-hmm. that happens and of course you know i'm sure that happens very widely but you know talking i can only talk about myself like and i think this is i'm trying to come back to the creativity in a way where there's there's an element of being you know to give yourself the license to create you know or to think that i am going to do this well you can create and you don't have to share it with anybody but but there is that sort of uh, aspect i definitely remember that i kind of made a pact with myself that at the end of the day if i had to have a legacy project which is something that actually honest becker talks about mm-hmm. um i would love to create a piece of creative something whether mm. that's a film or something like that 
that will live on beyond my existence, right? Mm -hmm. To me, that was going to be my legacy project. I never really warmed to having kids. I never really liked kids when I was a kid. So, you know, whatever, you know, I wasn't really that interested. I thought, okay, actually, and, and there was something about how creativity and cultural artifacts Mm -hmm. are so important to people and that's something that's only grown you know got older that you know people use cultural artifacts all the time to talk to each other you know like they mm -hmm. use in a language like you know there's it's really it means something to people you know like people mm -hmm. draw on film references all the time to be able mm -hmm. to communicate something to other people and that to mm -hmm. me is just extraordinary because it just shows how important it is to people's lives Mm -hmm. And I guess I just had that realization that and this is by no means being disparaging of these other people. So please, uh, you know, take that with a pinch of salt. But I was just like, I am not driven by having my name be the person who signs off a balance sheet for like a massive sort of company or whatever. Like, that's just not my kick. Mm. other people can get that kick I just don't get that kick but mm. for me that kick was you know that realization that when you're in a darkened room and people are like watching something you've made mm. there's something magical about that you know like mm. all of these people assemble to watch this kind of thing come to mm. life and your name mm. is somewhere in there there's just pure magic in mm. storytelling and, and, and film speci uh, specifically that mm. I just found incredibly fascinating. So mm. I kind of made a pact for myself that, you know, I'll never kind of uh, lose that, you know, connection with film. And I, and I love film. And there's, I, I have a tattoo actually of a, film reeled on my right leg like yes. it was, I was there it, when you were 20 I think I, th I was quite young yeah yeah so there was like a kind of decision that's like you know I don't know if I'll make anything or not but mm -hmm. all I know is that I really respect this and mm -hmm. I really love this and I and I really kind of elevate that as something mm -hmm. that is incredibly sort of uh yeah like my legacy project if I can have one if I can have the sort of uh, privilege of making something like that but whatever you know I just love that art and I guess the only other thing I can think of is I mean I think there were a series of pivotal things that may have suggested that I'm not terrible at it and I, I think that sounds like a real kind of humble brag but like I think it was like the thing where I wrote something that ended up getting somewhere like you know it's just things like that where you just you know I think what I'm trying to say is like you can have a natural inclination to something, but then if you don't get much feedback that you're actually quite good at it or something like that, even even like remotely good at it, it can be quite discouraging, right? Yeah. And and especially in the creative arts, like you put your soul into it. Like there's mm -hmm. a lot of other stuff that you can just kind of, it's not about you. Like it's mm -hmm. not your, like on some level, it's not about you, but mm -hmm. you ask any writer and like you ask anyone who's kind of even, even performing like musician, whatever, mm -hmm. there's part of your soul in everything you put out normally. Mm -hmm. like, if you really like care to, mm -hmm. and, and I know it can sound like very sort of whatever it's out in the world. I don't really care, but the reality is like, it is you. And yeah. when people are really, kind of disparaging of it and they hate it. and of course there'll be some people who hate what you do it, it still hurts like yes. it still hurts in a really different way to mm -hmm. someone saying someone didn't like my spreadsheet you know what I mean and again I'm not like taking a dump on people who are doing spreadsheets but it's a very different level of you in there you know mm -hmm. and when you create art or like you're creating kind of film or you're writing something from your experiences or whatever mm -hmm. you're putting a piece of you out there and that's yeah. really quite daunting all I'm saying, like, yeah, there was this other pivotal moment where I had to come to peace with that. If I am going to kind of do stuff that goes out, you know, there's a part of me that's just like, well, you know, how do you mm -hmm. deal with everything from people not liking it to, to rejection to whatever? Like, because mm -hmm. again, like I said, failure is a big part of it or even just sharing it with people, even sharing with people and saying, God, like I've just like kind of on some level handed over a bit of my ego and a bit of my sort of whatever mm -hmm 
to someone else to judge and mm. and sure they might not tell me what they really think but i have chosen to do this mm-hmm. so so i think that's another hurdle uh which you get comfortable with i think over mm-hmm. time but but you know it, it's definitely a hurdle yeah again i think it comes back to this point of where when we put something out sometimes even though we want to create we we might not be having that capacity to have that thought consistently and right. we, we will get inspired by other people's feedback or somebody saying that hey that's helping me uh think this way or that's really helping me and then we are motivated to do that and then the creativity flows more so it's really really important also in that context to get feedback positive feedback to keep you going sometimes yeah and you're not quite sure like where do you um stand on the mm-hmm. on 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 the boundary of like pure yeah. stubborn arrogance yeah. to like actually i probably do need to change something about yeah. something that i'm doing you know like you just don't, like it's such a hard balance and like it's yeah. it kind of goes back to that self belief and self confidence versus sharing with people and like what it means you know also i think like i don't know if you felt this once i've started in this path of exploring creative things in my life i have realized the importance of being kind to other people in the process because i felt this when i received some input from others how i felt how i got motivated it really i think is important to be kind with our words and motivating to other people who are trying this journey and i think that's made me more open to really giving those comments freely otherwise you know sometimes we are not as free to really comment on it even if we like forget about not liking even if we yeah. like something we just constrain ourselves and not share right our thought about it i i think i've i've become more free in sharing these things with uh, people again it creates this uh, entire ecosystem and um, partnership with other people where we are all doing something nice and uh, i think it brings a lot of positivity also no absolutely i mean i i 100% agree with you actually like i a lot of my job also actually involves working with people to realize certain creative things and like you know and and at the end of the day part of my job is giving feedback and part of my job is to say well this is in you know i write briefs that people have to kind of answer to and mm-hmm. it is sort of my job to sort of say well this isn't really on brief and and you know sometimes that feedback can be a little bit brutal mm-hmm. as in what i have to say might not be very savory right mm-hmm. but but you're totally right in that the energy of the people you're working with mm-hmm. has to you know you have to motivate them to feel like they want to keep going like if you mm-hmm. kind of do it in a way and and you're absolutely right that the language and words really matter right mm-hmm. like the words and the way you kind of phrase your feedback is super super important mm-hmm. especially on the on the back of what i just said in terms of this no matter how transactional you are mm-hmm. about your creativity there's definitely a piece of you that's going out there like no matter like it's it's a it's it's kind of like denial to say that it isn't right mm-hmm. and i don't know anyone who's so cold about that to say yeah whatever like i don't care you know yeah go ahead but you're totally right that it, you know you need to foster as you say like an ecosystem of people who are willing to stick with the the task you run with it stick to the course of you know it's we're going to get there 
like you know mm. and, and that vision and that north star sometimes is important and, and and actually the the problem is like a lot of this stuff does end up being a combination of subjectivity to objectivity you know mm-hmm. and and how do you not take something personally as as someone who is you know putting something out there um and and actually that's not just creative right like that's yeah. anyone yeah. Uh, doing any kind of job genuinely yeah. like anything that's being said that that sort of suggests that what you did isn't really matching expectations mm. is unpleasant. Like that is unpleasant, you know, mm. and you don't have to be making an art scam or like a, writing a piece of copy for that. You just, you can be doing anything. Mm-hmm. And when someone says, well, actually you didn't really reach these kind of expectations and yeah. do these, these things, it is unpleasant and it's kind of bad. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. that like kind of making it about, I think kindness alongside uh, mm-hmm. yeah sort of not being subjective but being as mm-hmm. objective about it yeah. uh, has at least for me helped me because I, I, I think basically at the end of the day people need to buy into the fact that you want to help them make better work mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. if you don't engender that then they'll always reject you and they'll always mm-hmm. always be suspicious of where you're coming from mm-hmm. so I think if there's a kind of shared ethos mm-hmm. of we you know some of this is going to be a little bit unpleasant. Some of this is going to be very pleasant. And at the end of the day, we're here for the same purpose. We're all pulling towards the same goal. And mm-hmm. the goal is really good work. Mm-hmm. Then, then I think people, you know, aside from certain personality traits, will sort of be uh, receptive to that stuff. And of course, you want to foster an, uh, a, a culture of kindness, but equally a culture that is um, accountable and, and a culture that can tell what it needs to say. Like it needs to be open as well because... It's not superficial to- comments. I think yeah. in anything underlying fact is there should be honesty and genuine feedback also. It's just not like, even if you don't like something, you, you just don't say like, oh, I love it. And like, yeah, just yeah, yeah. that. It, so. it needs to come from a good place. And it's also needs to be going to a good place, if that yeah. makes sense. You know, exactly. if it's not coming, if it's not coming from a good place, and if it's not really headed towards a good place, then you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, I am like really looking forward to whatever you're going to do for your legacy project or legacy film. <laughs> I know you've been into films for so long. That is the first thing I remember about you when I think of you, because I think one of the first conversations you we've had, you've told me about your love for filmmaking. And yeah. so really, really looking forward to that. I mean, we'll see. Massive trust. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Where, yeah. I mean, you know, hopefully my uh, legacy project is something you, that doesn't uh, put you to sleep. But uh, it will not. It'll be interesting. We'll, I am we'll sure. See. We'll see what happens. <laughs> this has also kind of shown me how how underneath the surface creativity has really, really helped me and help. I mean, it's so important, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's what's really been illuminating about this conversation is that it can be so many different things it's such a it's it's kind of like the swiss army knife really mm. Me, mm. Uh, or has been in my life like it's mm. it's definitely helped me in so many different ways mm. um, and that's such a boring way to talk about creativity but but i genuinely think that like i think it mm. is such a um yeah just the kind of ultimate sort of tool to have in some mm. ways mm-hmm. that can really help you out a lot of stuff so no i mean i've, I've come away from this really much more sort of in touch with god i really 
I really do admire creativity mm-hmm. and I really love it, you know, and, yeah. I, and I really love it. Hopefully we are putting out something that others can appreciate and reflect on also. But beyond that, I think it's been a good conversation for the two of us to learn and think about things in a different perspective. So in my life, it's a different points. I've been shown that, you know, it, there is a possibility that you can think differently. You don't have to think about anything like everybody else is thinking. There's so many ways. So you've been one of those people who've showed me that also. Wow, thank you. So I appreciate uh, uh, that. I've always, and, and not to get all soppy, but I, you know, I was, I was talking about this with a friend earlier when we had lunch and um, I, I just said I have uh, so much admiration for your own guts, you know, like to kind of just do, I mean, I'd say like you kind of counterbalance the idea of why not in a way that I probably would be a bit more risk averse you know you you are much more sort of yes we can do it yes we you know you are so much more sort of um let's do it and I and I really really admired and and, and really learned from that you know and and actually the the flip side of um trying to be creative is crippling insecurity and crippling kind of not putting anything out there because you're just kind of like, oh my God, it's not perfect, it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. And and I think what was really liberating and, and kind of uh, I learned so much and I was so lucky to have learned from you is um, not overthinking it, you know? Like, you know, in a, in a way that's, re- and I mean that in the best positive way, like, you know, just kind of, you know, doing it, do, doing it with like due diligence, like no one's saying don't do it, but I really admire that you got it done. Like you had stuff, like you, it was tangible, you know? And and I can't tell you how many people have thought about doing half of mm. the stuff you've done and just never done it. Mm. And I think that's really, really interesting and powerful in its very own kind of way. Like it's so inspiring because half of the time it's just doing the thing, you know, mm. just just giving giving birth to stuff that actually exists. And uh, and and I really will always cherish that because it's such a good learning and I'm such a fan of that. So thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for that. And I think that's a good place to end our conversation today. And thank you again, Nikhil, for accepting this invitation and being a part. No, thanks for having me over, Nilma. Thank you. reflections. If you would like to connect with me, please visit bluishmuse.com. Until next time, Namaste. Namaste.